Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Welcome to all of our new teens to the team ministry. It's so great to have you guys. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Patrick Genova. My wife and I, uh, we serve in the youth and family ministry here for the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. And uh, we just got done with an amazing virtual teen camp. Well, we have teen camp every year. Uh, This year was virtual. And so we do a a Sunday service just to kind of uh, recap that time at teen camp and uh, share a little bit with you guys the... Uh, the conviction, the faith, the inspiration um, that came through that time uh, at teen camp. So I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, I'm excited to share. and Welcome to uh, all of our new teens to the teen ministry. And um, let's get into our, our lesson today. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, heroic courage. Uh, heroic courage. And, you know, I mentioned that we just had our virtual teen camp. And when, and when it first started, uh, you know, Obviously, there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm about doing a a week-long camp uh, that's online. It's not in person. I mean, uh, this camp is something that, uh, you know, the teens and preteens and our youth and family ministry and the parents also uh, really look forward to uh, every year. And so now, you know, not being able to do it in person, it was tough. It's a tough sell, right? It's like, oh, you know, you should go, but uh, it's going to be virtual. And, and so when we opened registration up, uh, it started off with like 20 registrations. We are just kind of, you know, nervous about it. But through prayer and as we continued to uh, just prepare in faith uh, that God was going to use this camp uh, to do something uh, powerful, you just saw registrations continue to roll in. And we went from uh, 20 to, I believe, around 200. Uh, so it was just an amazing victory. And I think even within our ministry, it started where thought maybe it'd be like two or three and then it turned out to be 20. So God definitely is able to do uh, more than we can imagine any of our uh, circumstances. And uh, it was just an amazing time. Uh, the theme of teen camp uh, was heroic. And right now in, in life and in our world, uh, we need heroes. And we see so many heroes around us, you know, every day during these times. I asked the teens before um, teen camp began, I was like, you know, what is what does a hero mean to you? What, or what does it mean to be a hero? And we're trying to dismantle, I mean, the, the Avengers and then Superman, and, and, that, and that's all great. But what does it mean to be, you know, an everyday hero? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for me, for you, right? So I asked the teens, and some of their responses were uh, as follows. Uh, being a hero is, you know, being the same, no matter where you are or who you're with, or having the same morals, or the same convictions, uh, no matter where you are or who you're with. Uh, being willing to sacrifice your comfort for others. Uh, being consistent. thought that was a, a really cool answer. Uh, being willing to stand up for what you know is wrong and being willing to stand up for what you know is right. So I should say stand against what you know is wrong, right? So what does it mean for you, you know, to be an everyday hero? How would you define that? What are, what are some words you would share to say, this is what it means uh, for me uh, to be an everyday hero? 
And I know for all of us as Christians, it goes back to Jesus, right? And I was reading this passage recently in, in one of my uh, times with God, and it's John chapter 8, verse 28. And it's really interesting. I want to break it down in a second here, but in John chapter 8, verse 28, um, this is Jesus speaking. It says, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. So, you know, uh, the Pharisees, the at the time, questioning uh, his motives and, and why are you here? What are you trying to do? You know, and, um, you know, his family members wanted him to be a public figure. So many people wanted the Messiah to uh, free them from uh, Roman occupation and all these things, right? And what Jesus says here is incredibly profound is that you're going to realize who I am when you kill me. You're going to realize who I am, it says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man. And that's a reference to being lifted up on the cross. And I thought to myself, why did it take that, you know, to know who Jesus is? And as I thought more about it, it became so clear. It's like, if Jesus didn't die, there always could have been attributed to him some kind of ulterior motive to doing what he did. Oh, you wanted to be popular. You wanted to be a public figure. You wanted everybody to love you. You wanted people to worship you. You wanted people to like you know, just applaud you, right? And obviously Jesus wants us to worship him, but not in that worldly sense, right? And so, but when he willingly died, it removed any doubt that he was in it for himself. And it showed that he was here because it was his father's will. And he's like, when that happens, you're going to realize when I die, when I allow you guys to kill me, you're going to realize that I'm not here for any other reason other than to follow, uh, follow my father's will and because I love you. I'm not in it for myself. I'm not in it for personal gain. I think that's another answer to the question, what does it mean to be an everyday hero? And looking to the ultimate hero, Jesus, uh, to find our answers to that question. You know, right now, um, you know, this time, obviously, it goes without saying, it's been said, it, it's been challenging. Uh, we know that, we get that. Uh, there's been a lot of turmoil. And I just want to say that I've seen our church really rise uh, to the occasion to be heroes during a really hard time. And, you know, I could cry because you guys are heroes and I see it and I see us being willing to step up in what's really been a challenging time right now. And I'm really proud, you know, to be a part of our church, to be a part of this body. Uh, to be a part of the body of Christ, this, this heritage of heroes uh, that we come from. You know, we have heroes in our fellowship um, who've been fighting the fight against uh, social injustice and racism for so many years, long before George Floyd. You know, you guys are heroes. We have members in our church who are in law enforcement uh, during this time, and, and many of them are men of color. And so to find yourself in what must be a very uncomfortable uh, intersection of culture right now to still do your job to still love to still serve you all are heroes you know we have so many heroes that are serving as nurses and doctors on the front line uh, front lines of this pandemic you, know, you guys are heroes those that continue to go to work uh, because they're essential uh, business operators you guys are heroes 
We have heroes in our fellowship who are willing to use their gifts to help us be well emotionally, that are willing to use their gifts and, and hold space for our emotions during what's a really challenging emotional time. You guys are heroes. And lastly, we have heroes uh, who are in the trenches spiritually, helping other people become Christians, willing to get their hands dirty, share their lives, share their gospel to help other people become Christians. And you guys are heroes. You know, we are a church of, of heroes, and it's because we have the example of Christ and what it means to be heroic that we all can look to and draw strength from. And as Christians, we come from that lineage. We're adopted into this household of God where, where our, our lineage is this, of, of these heroes of the faith. You know, that's where we come from. That's the cloth that we're cut out of because as we become Christians, we are adopted into that family. And for today, I want to talk about having heroic courage. You know, if we want to be heroes and continue to be heroes, um, we got to be willing to, we got to be willing to take risks. We got to have courage. We have to have heroic courage. And for me, this was something that came out loud and clear of this uh, virtual team camp that we had. And the speakers were incredible. I mean, Phil Arsenal, Michael Burns, Siobhan and Mimo Campbell, um, the teens that shared Oh my gosh, they did an incredible job. You're going to get to hear one of them a little bit later. Uh, but just an amazing job. And it really, the message came through about what does it mean to be a hero? What does it mean to be a spiritual hero? And today I want to talk about one thing uh, in terms of that heroic courage. And it's the courage to answer the call. That's so all I'm going to talk about today is having this heroic courage uh, to answer the call. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15 and 16, uh, we see the call, um, or we, we get a little bit more insight into this calling of Paul, right? And Ananias is going to go and uh, help Paul uh, through this transition from Saul to Paul. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 15 uh, through 16, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And this is going to be the calling of Paul. And he's saying he's going to be this Hebrew of Hebrew, this Israelite, this, um, this, this, this man who has persecuted Christians. He's actually going to bring the gospel message to Gentiles. And not only that, but he's also going to preach this message to their kings. And we know at the end of Paul's life, he's there preaching the gospel to King Agrippa, right? It's, it's this message, it's this calling uh, that's being fulfilled. Paul had a calling. His calling was to be that light to the Gentiles. He was aware of that. But this calling did not come without sacrifice. It says it here, he's going to suffer, you know, to answer this calling. Would you answer that call? Would you be willing to answer that call? That, hey, you're called to something great, but there's going to be suffering in this calling that you have. That was the call of Saul. And it's the calling for so many of us that would follow Christ through uncomfortable terrain wherever he might lead us. And Paul labored to live up to this calling. He fought to live up to this calling. And, and that moment where he was had that connection with Jesus, where he was blinded on the road to Damascus, it changed his life. That encounter with Jesus changed his life. And, and I believe at that moment, he realized that knowing Jesus was greater than any suffering that he would have to endure. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, this is Paul's heart. He says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And this grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. The grace of God was greater than the sacrifice. The grace of God motivated him. It kept him going. It allowed him to answer the call and gave him the strength to continue to live up to the call. God did the heavy lifting in Paul's life. God is going to do the heavy lifting in our lives if we're willing to answer the call. Paul was clear um, with what his mission was in life. He was clear on his life's work. Are we? Are you clear on what your mission is in life right now? What is your mission? What is your calling? What are you living for right now? You know, we all have a crucial role to play in God's story. I don't have a, a ton of time to get into it, but there's this awesome author, theologian, his name's N.T. Wright. He breaks the Bible down as if it was a play where there's five acts. And the acts are creation, the fall, Israel, Jesus, and the church. In Act 4, which is Jesus, this is the climax of the play. This is how, this is hermeneutic. This is his approach, his lens uh, with which he approaches the Bible. And when Jesus comes, that's the climax of the play. That is where the hero arrives, right? Uh, death is defeated. The future victory is assured. And uh, we don't need to fear if we're in Christ. And he says, Acts, Acts chapter 5, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 5 uh, in this play is the church. And that's us. That's where we are right now. And each of us plays a role in our current act of this play, right? And... And it's with, it's with reference to these the, free, the, the four previous acts, but all of us have a role to play right now. And we can improv and obviously Im, Im, improvising with the Bible in light of the previous acts, but we have a, such a crucial role to play in the story of God's people right now. You have a crucial role to play right now. Don't believe the lie that your life is meant to be mundane or unimportant. You have a crucial role to play right now in God's story. You know, if you're here right now listening, you're not listening by coincidence. There's a reason you tuned in today. There's a reason why you're listening to this message. God has a plan for your life. You know, there's different ages where the prophets were called by God. Ezekiel um, it's thought to be around 28 years old. Samuel was thought to be 11. Timothy 16. And Paul between 28 and 31. You know, as I mentioned before, uh, we have so many heroes uh, in our fellowship. And this calling comes at different times. People answer the call. And I've just been so encouraged with our team ministry. You know, I want to share a little bit about, um, about Max Owen really quick. And uh, he's an awesome uh, teen in our team ministry. And he was so excited to go to this virtual teen camp. He actually was part of like helping organize, like how are we gonna make this work where it's something we're gonna enjoy doing? And so we did the virtual hybrid kind of approach, which is a whole nother uh, story, but it went amazing and Max helped, you know, to plan that. And Max was right before camp gonna go to Kentucky to help his sister move in uh, to her new place in Kentucky. And right before they had to leave, uh, it was discovered that Kentucky is on this, uh, this manda uh, mandatory quarantine list. So Max could no longer, you know, be a part of this, uh, this hybrid teen camp that we organized where parts of it would be in person. And so we had that decision to make, right? Go be with my sister, help her move in, or, which is, or go to teen camp, which is something I know he was really uh, looking forward to. You know, but Max, uh, he was willing to sacrifice so he could be there for his sister. 
He's willing to sacrifice going so he could be there to support his sister and what's going to be like an awesome but major move, you know, in her life. And for anybody, teen, adult, whatever the case may be, you know, to decide to die to yourself and live for righteousness, to crucify your sinful nature, to become a Christian, it takes courage. You got to be willing to answer the call. I'm going to have Emily Mazza, one of our awesome teens. She's going to share. This is a clip from what she shared at uh, teen camp. It's just, it's just so powerful. And to me, Emily Mazzo is a hero. You know, uh, when she was a sophomore in high school, she answered the call uh, to become a Christian, to die to herself and to live for Christ. So here's Emily Mazzo sharing. Part of the Southern Connecticut teen ministry, and I'm 16 years old. I'm a senior now. And I'm going to be sharing my testimony with you guys. And yeah, so I guess that you could say I'm kind of a kingdom kid. Um, I wasn't born into the church, but I saw both of my parents get baptized when I was really young, when I was about seven years old. And it really allowed me to see um, how God changed people and how God changed like my parents so much. And um, because of that, it really implemented in me a belief in God and just knowing that he was real. And I knew that one day I was going to get baptized and that I was going to make the choice to get baptized, but I had always thought that I was way too young and that um, nobody would take me seriously or that God wouldn't even take me seriously enough to um, actually take a step. And as I got older, I eventually started to become a people pleaser and my happiness depended on others instead of myself. So. Um, if people weren't happy with me, then I wasn't happy with myself. And if people were upset, um, it would just completely throw me off. And I always sought to make people think highly of me. And um, this also traveled into my studies. And um, I met my teen leader, Lamisha, and I went to my first teen <laughs> camp. And I felt really inspired to take the first step and initiate something. So I began to study the Bible, not with the intent to get baptized, but to, with the intent to just get to know God and really just know what he's actually about. And um, in the back of my head throughout my studies, I always thought that I was way too young to become a disciple. I was way too little to be making big decisions. And um, throughout my first time studying, because I studied twice, throughout my first time studying, I always gave the typical Kingdom Kid answers, the right answers, even though there are none. And I really just felt that I had to make the people I was studying with proud of me or make them happy with what I was saying, instead of being real and really digging deep and um, just improving myself and learning to love God. So in a way, I was kind of living two separate lives. I had one foot in my studies and one foot in the world. And I would always pretend that I was doing super amazing and that um, I was so godly and I was doing so well, even when I knew that my life in school and my life at home wasn't doing as well as I was actually saying. And I was showing no change in my day-to-day -day life, even though I was pretty far along in my studies. I was showing absolutely no change. And honestly, nobody could tell I was studying the Bible, except the people I was studying with because I acted like I was making changes. And I always felt that I had a ton of time to become a disciple and that I actually had no pressure. And that, um, I, yeah, that I would eventually become a disciple, but there was no rush to. And eventually living two separate lives, one with my the people I was studying with and one at home and in school was just way too exhausting. And I became super drained of having to act like somebody I wasn't. And I decided to stop studying the Bible because I wanted to see what my life in the world would be like without God. And after I stopped studying the Bible, I stopped praying and reading my Bible. And immediately I noticed a change in my life. And I felt like 
something was missing. And um, this sounds kind of cliche, kind of, but I really felt that there was a void that I didn't know what to fill it with. So I began to try to fill that void with people, with my friends, with boys, or um, even with my academics. I tried to become like the top student because I thought that success would make me happy and happy with myself and who I was becoming. But eventually that also caught up to me and um, I was just so exhausted of having to try my best and trying to impress people. And I decided that I wasn't gonna keep going through the cycle and that um, I was going to pray because I hadn't done that in a long time and I just wanted to see if what would work. And I remember before praying, I said, I, there's no commitment. I'm not saying I'm gonna get baptized, but um, I just wanna see what happens when I do. And um, when I was praying, I just remember talking to God, like when I'm like before I hadn't really never thought about like praying, like talking to God. I thought about talking to somebody like who didn't hear me. But in that moment, I really felt like we like I could was really communicating to him and he was listening to me. And right after I felt a huge weight come off my shoulders and I felt so content and I knew what I had to do. So I texted my team leader, Lamisha. And I started studying for a second time. And the second time was completely different than the first time. I went through the same studies that I went through the first time, but I was just getting so much more out of them. And I wasn't living two lives. I was I was changing my habits. I was trying my best, even though I definitely had so many challenges when I was becoming a disciple. Um, I made the decision to get baptized March 10th, 2019. And... Um, Honestly, becoming a disciple has been so amazing, but of course there have been many challenges as well, like um, continuing people pleasing and an entanglement. <laughs> I know that that's a story for another time, but um, it's just so good to know that um, even if you have challenges as a disciple, you're just overall generally happier because you always have somebody who has your back, no matter what, who won't judge you. And um, my piece of advice would be, even if you think you're too young to make the decision to become a disciple, that's absolutely not true. Um, you're never too young to choose eternity and you're never too young to um, make the right decision or even just not become a disciple just to get to know him, just to get to know who he is. And one scripture that I feel defined my journey was 1 Timothy 4.12. And it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So thank you guys so much for letting me share. Wow. Emily is amazing to hear her story, to hear how it all worked, to see the example of her parents, how that impacted her life, to see that, you know, she's not perfect. She's open about stuff. She doesn't, she doesn't claim to be perfect, but she's, she's willing to answer the call. She's willing to live for Jesus and to die for herself. And throughout scripture, we see unlikely heroes, right? Like Emily Mazo, a sophomore in high school, answering the call. It's, just, it's like an unlikely hero, right? And you see that. Throughout the Bible, you might feel like I'm an unlikely hero. I'm not meant to do anything really special with my life or change this or change that. I'm just trying to make it. You know, no, you were meant for so much more than that. We all were. Throughout scriptures, we see this. A boy would go on to slay a giant. This loudmouth fisherman would go on to lead a church. A sinful woman would perform this incredible faithful deed that Jesus said should be spoken about wherever the gospel is preached. God takes unlikely heroes and does incredible things with them. And right now in our, in our society, as I look around, I'm, I've been encouraged to see people willing to step up for what's right, for being willing to sacrifice for, for, for the greater good. 
And as I see all of these boycotts and different things like that in the sports world, and I know we land on, on, on different side of, sides of this, but being willing to give up millions, you know, to, for, for what's right is incredible. You know, as we look at hospitals and seeing these frontline workers being willing to sacrifice, you know, their, their personal well-being, possibly their personal health for what's right, that's incredible. I was blown away. I'm a big sports fanatic, right? You know, LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, two of arguably the best players in sports, they voted to cancel the rest of the NBA season, the playoffs. You know, when LeBron's chasing Jordan and, and they're getting millions of dollars, but they're willing to, to, to forfeit it, right? So that to shine a spotlight on social justice. Hours before three Major League Baseball games were scheduled to play, uh, the Dodgers star Mookie Betts, uh, who is black, he told his teammates that, this is his quote, for me, I think no matter what, I wasn't going to play tonight. And he says his teammates backed him up from all races. They backed him up. They supported him. And these three games ended up being canceled. I mentioned before, our frontline uh, care workers in the hospital. Here's a couple quotes from people that are on the front lines. This is Yvette uh, Beattie. Uh, she says, I'm feeling scared. Saying goodbye to my family. I don't know if it's going to be the last goodbye. Talking about going to work in the hospital. Tony Powell, he's a hospital administrative coordinator. He says, we are like soldiers marching into battle, but you don't have enough guns. Not having enough resources to guarantee your own safety. This is heroic. It's awesome. And as I mentioned before, we can't believe the lie that our lives are meant to be mundane, ordinary, you know, full of hassles. We're meant for something special. I want to read this quote from a book that I love. It's called Waking the Dead. And the book is about let's wake up the spirit within that the calling that God has always meant for you and for me. And here's a quote from his book. You are not what you think you are. There is a glory to your life that your enemy fears. And he is bent on destroying that glory before you can act on it. This part of the answer will sound unbelievable at first. Perhaps it will sound too good to be true. Certainly you will wonder if it is true for you. But once you begin to see with those eyes, once you have begun to know it is true from the bottom of your heart, it will change everything. The story of your life is a story of a long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. Satan does not want you to be all that you could be in God's kingdom. He fears what you could be. But we have this calling. If we're just willing to answer the call, God will mold us, shape us, call us into the men and women that we were always meant to be. Let's not let this brutal assault on our hearts take over. We can't let Satan win. We can't let negativity win. We got to keep fighting. What are you fighting for? What are your goals? What are you called to? Are you living it? How are you living out your role in God's story right now? How are we? You know, I want to lift up Jeff and Florence. I love Jeff and Florence to death. You know, and they've been serving here in this church for 20 years. I believe they've been in the ministry for over 30 years. There's power to knowing what you're put on this earth to do. I mean, how many lives? You know, through the power of God, through His grace, and through their faith, have they been able to transform just because they've been so singularly focused on what their mission is in life? 
that despite all that could be going on in the backdrop, they're still pushing to save souls, to impact people for Jesus. You know, that's the power of knowing your mission in life. God is calling each and every one of us to something. If you're like, Pat, I've been listening to this lesson. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what it is. Okay, I have a scripture for you right now. We're going to read this passage. This, is a, this could be a starting point or this might be the answer to your question. But it is a calling from God. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 20. And we're going to read up until chapter 6, verse 2. And this is Paul, once again, sharing. A man that is very familiar with the calling of God. He says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you. In the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Today is the day. And I'm begging you, be reconciled to God. That is the calling, to be reconciled to God if you have not been reconciled to God. If you're reconciled to God, it's, it's to be an ambassador, to not receive the grace in vain. And when you're reconciled to God, all your sin is taken away and you become the righteousness of God. As we answer the call, and I have to share this with the teens. I believe it's something they struggle with. I believe it's something we all might struggle with, that we don't need to be perfect to be Christians. We don't need to be perfect. We have to be willing to answer the call. Let God do the heavy lifting in terms of transforming us. Just keep being willing to answer the call. Like in boxing, you have to come out for the bell. Keep coming out for the bell. Keep coming out for the bell. God is going to help, work you, help you navigate through it. Have you answered the call yet? Have you been reconciled to God? Why not? What are you scared of? Are you living a life as an ambassador for God? If not, why not? What are you scared of? Let's answer the call. And I want to encourage everybody, don't harden your hearts, right? Let's lean into this. It's uncomfortable. It's tough. It's rough. It's hard. I'm going to talk about my life if I study the Bible like Oh, I'm going to, if I share my faith, this is uncomfortable. Yes, it is uncomfortable. But look at what we've been talking about, right? This, this heroic courage, this um, being willing to answer the call. Face your fears. Face your fears. God is going to teach you how to sail through the storms. There's this amazing uh, quote by Louisa May Alcott. She says, I'm not afraid of storms, for I'm learning how to sail my ship. God is going to show you how to sail that ship through the storms. And in wrapping up, as we're answering the call, I want to encourage you, remember why. Remember why you're answering the call, why you're willing to be uncomfortable, why you're willing to sacrifice. The answer is in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, and we'll end with this. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus is the original hero. He died for you, for me. Let's follow in his footsteps. He and God's love is our reason why we answer the call. Love you guys. Have a great rest of the day. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.